0: person in this room this morning, that you would open our ears to hear, Father God, what your Spirit's saying, not just this morning, Lord, but every day, Father God, from now till we meet you face to face, open our ears and help us to hear, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I got saved at uh, age 19, and uh, people that don't know the Lord or don't, are not familiar with church, are not familiar with uh, Christianity... Uh, if they had have seen me uh, when I was 19 years old, they would have thought, he's a radical. I was working in construction, and uh, I was saved at 19, but I never stopped, even, I never started to stop working on the addictions and the things that were in my life until I was twenty-twenty-one. And so I spent two years... Radicalized by just by recognizing that Jesus Christ died for me and he wanted to have a relationship with me. He wanted to speak to me and he's going to use his word to do it. And so I was spending a lot of time in this book. And so I'm doing concrete finishing. Karen and I got married young and I, when I asked her to marry me, I was 17 years old and uh, I thought, oh my goodness, she said yes. And I got to go get a trade. <laughs> so I thought, I got to get a... <laughs> I got to get a trade and, because, and I'll figure out what I want to do after. I didn't have any education, so I knew that it was quite limited. So I thought, well, concrete finishing, that wouldn't take too many brains. <laughs> so I, I started doing concrete finishing and uh, I stuck with that till the day I started here at the church about 13, 14 years ago. Uh, I really I, I liked it, but I was on this construction site and I was doing the concrete work and I had gotten saved. And so there's two years where I'm still working with the guys and I'm still one of the guys in the sense that I am still smoking dope with them and I was still drinking with them and I was still cussing and swearing at them and them at me. We were, you know, just living the life uh, that we live in construction and as a young guy. And when I got saved, I was, I can remember one day I'm sitting on the pallets and I'm reading my Bible, and uh, a little pocket Bible, and and a guy coming up to me and he's saying, you know, what are you reading? And I said, I'm, it's the Bible. And he said, oh, he said, you got another one of those? And I just happened to have another one of those in my truck. And then uh, I gave him one. Another guy comes up and he says, what are you reading? I said, I'm reading the Bible. And he says, you got another one of those? I gave him one. And, and I ended up I had them in my glove box because before this somebody had asked me for a Bible, and uh, I didn't have one to give them. So I figured, okay, I'm going to load up my glove box with them and. And I filled in my glove box with them, and that day there were seven of us me and uh, six people that didn't know the Lord sitting there reading Bibles <laughs> on the construction site. And like this was a big construction site because I believe it was the Bauer Mall. We did all the floors in the Bauer Mall back then, and, and uh, so we're all sitting around reading these Bibles. And you know, through the years, I had an opportunity to witness to these people. They'd seen me when I was. Uh, carrying on in all the drugs and stuff like that, and then they seen me get saved. But then, three years, two, three years later, when all of a sudden I was feeling convicted and realizing through the word that I needed to change my life, that it was no longer okay to to hurt myself and then swear and throw a hammer across the room, I had to change the way I was. And so these guys... Now they started to develop this, this game they wanted to play at my expense. Because I was a believer. And uh, they, I'm sure they got together on this. And I'm sure they talked about this. I think they planned this. Because they would work so hard to get me to swear. They would work so hard to get me mad. And uh, they made it very difficult. There were evenings I would go home at night in tears. Because I was so frustrated. But I was not going to let them get to me. I was not going to try to respond to their thing. Although I wasn't perfect. I did respond <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> but this book, I continued to read this book. And it didn't matter what anybody said. I wanted to read this book. I wanted to learn this book. And you know then, as time goes on, four years into our marriage, we just start decide we're going to have a family. So we, we have these two little boys two little tikes, and so as i'm going through my christian walk i'm learning the ways of the lord i'm worrying, i'm walking and trying to live out what this book is saying and so these two kids like they were everything to me it was amazing when you wait to have kids and you really want kids and then you have kids it's like man i appreciate these little guys <laughs> it's, they were fabulous you know I, I was so fervent about it i read in this book That Moses was standing over the children of Israel and he was pronouncing a blessing on them. God told them, you know, pronounce a blessing on them. The benediction of bless them, keep them, make your face shine upon them. These kids are laying in bed and they're sleeping. And I would lay my hands on their heads and I would say, Father, bless them, keep them. And make your face shine upon them, protect them. And I would pray this with that fervent, effectual prayer that we read about in James chapter 5. I just cared. I saw it. It, They did it in the Bible. So it's got to work here. I'm the priest of my home. And uh, I just prayed. And I prayed by faith. And I prayed, God, be with these boys. We have a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we use when we're doing child dedication. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. I could see that these boys needed to know that there is only one God. And it says that uh, they needed to know that God expected everything from them, that he wasn't going to be second rate in their lives, that he had to be the first place in their lives. So I knew that we had, as parents, it was our responsibility to impress the commands of Jesus into their lives. And uh, it wasn't going to happen outside of that. If it was, that's great, but I wasn't going to take the chances. And so we worked to impress the commands of Jesus, not the law, but the commands of Jesus, that Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And uh, it, I knew that it was our responsibility as parents to do these things, but I recognized also that these things had to be impressed in my heart before I could ever impress them into their hearts. And uh, we talked about Jesus like it says in, this child, in Deuteronomy here, it says we, and, and I talked with these kids, and Karen talked with these kids when we walked down the road, when we got up in the morning, when we went to bed at night, uh, we talked to these kids. And because it was the center of my life, that's all they knew. As they grew up, this is just life. And praise God for that. Because, you know, they had about five years, six years before they started going to school. This was life. Christ was the center of their life. And so then as they went out into the school, it was a, kind of, I think, a little bit of a surprise to them that not everybody lived like that. But it was in them. It got into their, their being. But there was nothing more important to me than my kids knowing that Jesus Christ was to be the Lord of their life. And uh, I really felt like everything else in life really was a miss compared to that. But the teenage years come. And all our nice little tykes that we were having so much fun with started to get a mind of their own. And uh, they started to discover that there's a big world out there that they wanted to, to experiment in. And, and just all the stuff that is there before our kids and that's when I learned to pray. <laughs> yes, it really is. I fasted and I prayed for our kids. Nathan, my youngest son, he had one of those R1 crotch rocket motorbikes that'll do 300 kilometers an hour. And I heard him telling, my, telling his friend, yeah, the front wheel come down at 180 kilometers an hour. And I'm thinking, oh God, I did not need to hear that. <laughs> And and then I'd, you know, he'd be taken off at 11 o'clock at night. He'd get on that bike and I could... And I'm sitting on the couch or I'm somewhere in the front room and I hear him get on that bike and I hear... And it's just going and it's wide open as long as you can hear it. And I'm thinking, oh, that guy's got to be going like 300 kilometers an hour by now. (laughs) And down on my knees, like literally down on my knees and interceding for my kids. Because, you know, at that time there were many kids every summer being killed on these bikes And uh, it was a burden to me. And I had to get to the place where I surrendered and said, okay, Lord, I just can't. I'm carrying way too much of this burden. I actually had to let him go and just say, well, he gets killed, he gets killed. But, you know, God be with him. Praise God, he made it through. He made it through. (laughs) But I had to surrender because I couldn't handle that burden. It was so strong on me. So we see our culture tugging at her kids and it's a stress because my younger son as well you know he, had a, he uh, has a kind of addictive personality I knew that if he got going into the drug scene that would be a real problem and so that was a real fear when you know that they're out and you've got no control over what they're doing and who they're hanging around with and, and what they're getting involved in. And so I kept close tabs. I kept a, tried to keep an open relationship with them. They knew that I didn't approve of what they were doing, but I told them, I said, I'm there for you. If you ever need me, no matter what it is, I'll come and I'll get you. And uh, I never, ever had to go get them, thank goodness, to test how I would be with them. But I... Uh, I needed them to know that I loved them all the time and I needed them to know that when they turned towards home there was always open arms so that they wouldn't feel like they had to take off and then try to figure this life out all by themselves that they could come back and I could guide them as much as they would let me guide them. So as we're living through these teen years with both of our sons carrying on, like they they weren't extremely bad. Uh, They have shared with us the stuff that they have done. I'm sure they haven't shared all of it with us, but some of this stuff... And, uh, but all this praying for our kids, you know, you wonder, is it doing any good? Am I getting anywhere in these prayers? sometimes it feels like there is no answer. I'm not seeing an answer. I'm not seeing a whole lot of hope here. And it feels like we're wasting our time praying. But, uh, my oldest son, he's a real thinker and he, uh, school has come so easy for him. He's... You know, just that kind of a kid. The questions that kid had at two years old, I couldn't have the answers for. It was like unreal how his mind would work. But this is—he uh, started up a little hobby here a few years ago, and what he was doing was just taking books and he was ripping the covers off and recovering the books. And he gave me this ESV Bible, and it was either for Christmas or for my birthday. And inside, he wrote a little note, and uh, and this was just just made me bawl. It was just incredible you know, having such a desire to see your kids serve the Lord, and then you get a little note like this. This is a quote from John Wesley, the first half of this, and it says, Dad, I am a creature of a day. I am a spirit come from God and returning to God. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. God himself has condescended to teach me the way. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me that book, oh God, of God. Let me be a man of one book. And then he says, and he writes down John Wesley. And then he says, A son can have no greater blessing than to have a father who is of one book. In watching you pray and read God's word, I have learned far more through your example than could ever be taught by words. Thank you for being a man of God. I love you. You know, sometimes we just feel like our prayers are not going anywhere, or we feel like, you know, are they being answered? Are they being heard? And we're not seeing a lot of fruit, they're being heard. God's moving, you know, and like his word is it's living, it's active, it's moving. And so that is incredible. When I got that, that just like, oh man, you know, that just like wow. Wow. And uh, my boys are doing good, they're both married now, they've both got kids and they're trying to raise their kids right and it's just awesome. Awesome to see. So, we need to recognize, I think, one thing that's it's a big deal is that uh, we don't live by sight. When we're praying for our kids, or our family, or our loved ones, when we're praying for people in our community, when we're being onslaughted by the different uh, impressions of the community telling us that we should be believing or thinking or learning a certain way that is not uh, line up with the scripture. And uh, we're praying for them. We need to recognize that the battle is not against the flesh and the blood, but it's against the principalities and powers of darkness. And we can't be getting, you know, upset at these people because we're not seeing a response. Uh, We can't be upset when we see our kids doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Like this is like, it's tough and it's not right. But you know what? When they get to a certain age, they're going to do what they're going to do. They need to know that we love them. They need to know that we're there for them. They need to have us interceding for them. And they need to... uh, they need us to be praying for them because it's like they can't help it. If they're being sucked in, they just need us to be strong and stable and supportive so that there's always, when they're looking home, that they know that there's a place to go. You know, it's, it's hard. It's very hard when we see them going off when they, in ways that they shouldn't go. But we live by faith, not by sight. We claim our kids. We thank God for what he's doing in their lives. From that moment on, we say, Lord, I thank you what you're doing in their lives thank you lord that you're setting them free from that you're giving them wisdom to see that what they're doing is not right and uh, that goes for all of our family members and our parents our grandparents you know we all need the lord so personally i don't know where i would be if i didn't have this book this book has since i was 19 years old has uh really developed my perspective about what life is all about and uh the scriptures in this, the, the, the word that, that this is, you know, faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word. You know, we need to hear. We need to pray that we have ears to hear what the spirit's saying. Like Pastor Paul's preaching in the Revelation, we see that at the end of every church. Give me, let those who have an ear hear what the Spirit is saying. So we want to turn to the book of James this morning, and we want to see here you know, just what I've been talking about, how the culture is tugging at us. The culture is trying to tell us what is right and what is wrong, and what is acceptable, what's not. The culture is trying to uh, influence our kids in a big way, and the culture is working hard even to try to get them at a young age so they can really try to develop their thinking before us as parents can get there to develop it for them, or at least guide them <coughs> into truth. <coughs> And we need to recognize that we're not battling against the flesh and the blood, but against the principalities and powers of darkness. And we need to recognize that it's through prayer. And it's through fasting and prayer. It's through pulling down these strongholds. And as it says that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of this world, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. It's the strongholds over our city. When man first fell, it brought a cloud of deafness and blindness over mankind. And... You know, the only thing that we can do, Jesus went to the cross, he prayed an incredible price, he said it is finished, and then we just take authority from then on of who we are in Christ, we read this word, we learn this word, we pull down these strongholds over the lives of our loved ones and watch God work. By faith, receiving, believing what God has said in his word is true and standing on that and for the sake of our loved ones, by faith, confessing what the word says over them. And what, you know, he says that it's not his will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So we know that it's not God's will that any of our kids perish. It's God's will that they come to repentance. So you know you can claim that and you can stand on it. And you can thank God for what he's doing in the lives of these people that we're praying for and believing for. Our city, there's lost, what is it, 90, at least 90% of our city's lost. They need us to pull down the strongholds. They need us to be interceding for them. They need, they need to be to save. They need to come in here and, and fill this building up and make it hard for us who are committed to even get in the door because they're so passionate about hearing what this truth is that these people are talking about. So we're going to read in chapter 1 of James. James is a letter. James was a tr- uh, pastor, pastor in the church in Jerusalem. James was, uh, and we see that uh, when a great persecution broke out in the church in Jerusalem, that the the church was scattered. It said the only ones that were left in the church in Jerusalem were the apostles. And so these people were scattered out across the the nations, and they were settling in at different places. And uh, the gospels talk about as the people went forth, uh, they were preaching the gospel everywhere they went. And so God, you know, we see it as a real a terrible thing. When persecution comes, we see it as a bad thing. When neg- negative things happen and when they're out of our control and they're just coming on us, we need to recognize, okay, God is in control of my life and whatever I have to go through, His grace is sufficient. And it's as we, you know, we learn that before the trial comes. It's sure a lot easier when the trial comes. It's like just about impossible to try to grab a hold of that in the mid- at the beginning of a trial when we have not, you know, worked out our spiritual muscles so i want to encourage you to start now start today building up your spiritual muscles james here, here is trying to communicate to these people the book of james is written and there's a tension in the book of james about uh, between the rich and the poor and james is trying to encourage them to live out the life that this book shows to live and uh, as he's speaking to these people in this first part of this verse, uh, chapter one, verse 19, it says, "My dear brothers, take note of this. Pay attention," he's saying. He says, "Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry, for the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And whether it's us here in the church amongst each other, or whether it's us believers out in our community uh, at our jobs, he says, the anger of." man does not bring about the righteous life that god desires and these people if they know you're a believer if you're a christian they should know that you're a christian you know if you haven't demonstrated it by the way you live and they know you're a christian uh tell them and then you'll have to demonstrate it because you might be probably persecuted because if you're telling them you're a christian and you're not demonstrating it look out because they are watching once you say you're a christian once they know you're a christian and so, when we're on the worksite, or we're here at the church amongst each other, and we're getting angry, that's not a fruit of the spirit. Uh, we look in uh, Galatians chapter five; it talks about that there's the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the, uh, the fruit of the spirit, and the fruit of the sinful nature. And the fruit one of the fruits of the sinful nature is anger, rage, malice, slander. But the fruit of the spirit, you know, is love, it's joy, it's peace, and it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness. You know, so. The anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So we cannot be a righteous person and anger at the same time with our brothers and sisters or with our co-workers. And we want to be a witness as James is challenging them here. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted within you which can save you. Jesus living within us is the word planted within us. That's what we have inside of us as his people. And we need to humbly accept that. And like he's challenging them, don't allow, like it's so prevalent, the evil and uh, the moral filth that's going on in society. Get rid of it, he says. We can't think that the moral filth, the stuff that the Bible considers to be morally filthy, is okay for us as believers. And uh, as we look into this book, as we move on here, we see that we can do it. We We are overcomers, we can overcome. And we can walk this walk by the power of the Spirit and by learning about what does God say to us about life. And it says in verse 22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We come here on Sunday mornings and he's challenging them. They're like, they're hearing the word, but what are they doing with it? He's talking about them, you know, the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life God desires. When I was on the construction site and... Uh, demonstrating my sinful nature very well, you know, that was really not going very far. But as I'm on the construction site and I'm demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit when everybody else is demonstrating the fruit of the sinful nature, it really kind of stands out a little bit when you should be cussing and swearing and you really got a little bit of control. Uh, these things make a difference where we're working. They're a big difference where we're working. Um we can't come to church like we know it's there's a lot of teaching a lot of preaching it's you know like this is an incredible church for us to grow in our knowledge and our faith in Christ Jesus uh, because that's what we as leaders are supposed to be about but when we come here and we hear the word you know we can think okay there's either there's so much word I don't even where to start and we just sort of say okay that was good I don't know but it was good or we just sort of you know, gloss over it and don't really pay attention. We just think we come to church and that's what sort of makes me a Christian. But this here says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And uh, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and immediately forgets what he looks like. And, you know, it's the same thing with the word. When we come here and the spirit challenges us with something because, you know, we preach a word and we get a, we get a, a, per, uh, a word across. One word that we got across here when you leave here is, "Give me that book." That this book is what you want. Out of anything in life that you could have, this book should be something that be desired because out of this book becomes all the issues of life, the answers to the issues of life. And uh, we come into the the church here and we hear all this teaching and we might feel overwhelmed but you know God is dropping seeds there is one idea get the get take give me this book but there's also much seed being scattered throughout this message you know no matter who's speaking it there is uh, seeds of the spirit being sown in every life and do you have an ear to hear what the spirit is saying because he's speaking to every single one of you and he's got great things in store for every single one of us As we're walking in his will, regardless of what the natural mind would say, okay, that's a little bit difficult. It's a good thing if it's in the will of God, if it's what God is doing. We don't understand everything God is doing, but when we're walking the word out and we're walking in his will, it's a good thing. And this book, following this book, doing what this book says, and learning what this book says, it says here in verse 25, it says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law which gives freedom, The man who looks intently into this book. Looking into this book with an intention of of getting something out of it. An intention of looking because the Spirit is going to speak to me. These are just letters on a page. But it's the the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that breathes life into these words. And so as a man or a woman looks intently into this book. Which brings freedom. And continues to do this. Not forgetting what they have heard. But doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. We want to be blessed. If we look into this, if we intently look into this book, anticipating the Spirit to speak to us, we take what the Spirit is speaking to us, and we, like what I used to do is write it down on a piece of paper and stick it in my pocket and head to work, the construction site. (laughs) And think about it, and think about it, and meditate on that, that the Spirit speaks to you. As you're doing your devotion in the morning, all of a sudden something jumps off the page. Take that to work with you. Take that wherever you're going and think about it. Lay in bed that night and think about the word that the Spirit breathed to you. Because those that do that, they're blessed in everything they do. Blessed, you know, means happy. As we look at this book and we read this book and we meditate in this book, we, you know, you'll never be more satisfied. You'll never be more content. You'll never be more fulfilled in life. And uh, faith coming by hearing and hearing coming by the word, the circumstances that come our way in life, it won't be quite as bad because we've got the hope and the faith to be able to believe God is in control of what's going on in my life. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, God is in control. The enemy has no control in our lives. The only control the enemy has in our lives is the control that we allow him to have. And uh, I just believe, you know, I just because I've chosen to believe it, in the book of Job, it talks about, you know, Satan going before God and saying, yeah, but he says, you notice my servant Job? And I say, God, don't ever do that. You know? <laughs> I just quietly work along here. Don't ever point me out. <laughs> and then he says, notice my servant Job? And he says, yeah, well, what do you expect? Look at the hedge of protection that's around him. And since the first day I read that, I claimed that scripture in Jesus' name. And I tell you, on my mind, I've accepted nothing but that God has a hedge of protection around about me and any difficulty that comes my way, God has to allow it. And so when difficulty, when life changes and it's drastic and it's difficult, you know, I don't blame God because I know that God is God and God knows what he's doing and he knows why he's allowing it. And I'll, maybe I'll never know, but most of the time he seems to let us know somewhere down the line of what's going on. But what a peaceful, beautiful place to be that God is in control of my life. I have, don't have to fear anything in this life. I do what I can do, and this is, I've taught my boys all of these things. You know, I, I do what I can do, and my father-in-law always said to me, you know, you do the possible, God will do the impossible. And so we try to give God our best. We try to be faithful. We try to work hard. We try to, you know, just keep short accounts. Try not to be offended with anybody. You know, and deal with situations as they go along. And uh, what a great place to live. Taking this book, reading this book, meditating on this book, allowing this book to dictate my mind and the the way I think. And uh, how could it be any better than the God, the Creator, who wants a relationship with me to guide me and lead me in life? How can it be any better? It can't be any better than that. And I So I want to encourage you today with this word that do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It is not good enough to hear it and not do it. It was not good enough for me to be in the construction site as a Christian cussing and swearing or toking up with the boys and, you know, doing those kinds of things. That, for a believer, like God showed me and convicted me, that was not right. And uh, it took some doing took some doing swearing was one of the hardest things I had to quit doing because I'd be working away and I would stand up and hurt my back or something like that and I'd fire that hammer across the room and I would just take my little fit and tantrum before I realized what I was doing but eventually God got a hold of me and and I felt so bad afterwards and the next time come around and do it again but then the next time it's like just ready to snap and then you remember how bad you felt God's grace and it wasn't that God would ever condemn me for what I was doing but he would just, you know, and that's another thing, you know, I, I've always felt like, you know, I, I, in my life, and I would fall, I would stumble, and I, you know, I feel so bad, and I kind of I look up at God, and I, in my mind's eye, all i seen was God standing there with his arms open saying, you know, come on, come and sit up on my lap. Let me love you. And I felt like, you know, I can remember thinking, you know, God, it would be easier if you just slap me or something. Just smarten up, boy. But he would just, and I'd look back, and he'd just stand in there like this. Just wanting me to come to him. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Fabulous. It's a, it's a life. It's a great life. And uh, I've been excited about it since the day I was saved. And I don't know. I just thank God that I can see it. You know, people in this community can't see it. They can't see it. They can't hear it. I was talking to Jabin the other night. And we were talking about life happening and stuff. And stuff. And it was really a, an epiphany to me that salvation is very miraculous. Because the world thinks like this. And we see it in First John that talking about the, uh, the spirit of the world. There's a spirit of the world. They have one way of thinking. God thinks like man contrary. And it's like God says in First Corinthians chapter 1 there. He says that he's, in his wisdom he's taken the foolish things to confound the wise. And uh, he's, where are the philosophers and all these people, he says, you know. And then, so these guys, they look at this, and they, they can't accept it. Because of, to them, it's foolishness. To us, it says in uh, verse 18, that it, it's the power of God. It's the salvation of the Lord. So we can't expect the world to see it. And they, because they are clouded in their thinking, and they're clouded in their hearing, and we need to be interceding for them. Because we need to pull down the strongholds over this city so that as we're praying for them and then as we're going out and we're sharing the gospel with them, faith comes by hearing. You know, who's gonna, how are they going to have faith if they don't hear? We have to share our faith. And as we're going out there, as Crossroads is going out there, as Home Church is going out there, and Deer Park's going out there, and we're all just taking an opportunity to to wisely share our faith in just a normal conversation, not just, you know, some crazy way of doing it. Sometimes that works. But, you know, eventually they're going to start responding. And these churches would be packed to the... You know, we'd have to be adding on to these buildings because faith comes by hearing. We need to share the word with our communities. So, I think question has to be asked, what is it that would stop me from going home? Like, I don't know where your Bibles are at. Maybe they're here with you, and that's a good thing. Maybe you spend lots of time in it. Maybe you just carry it around. You know, who knows what we do with our Bibles, but I want to challenge you today. Wherever your Bible's at, recognize what you have. It says that it's more precious than gold, much fine gold. This book has got the answers to every one of our problems. This book is, uh, is the life laid out for you. You can have peace about your future because God, if you're walking according to His will, what do you got to worry about? You know, honestly, what do you got to worry about? No matter what's coming, if you're walking in God's will, it's okay. He gives you the grace to handle it and He gives uh, everything you need to go through whatever you got to go through. I want to challenge you, number one, to be a witness at work, wherever you're at, to be a be a light. Take the word in the morning and read it. Take what the Spirit speaks to you and think about it. Day after day this week. Just take that and try to think about it. I want to challenge you when you go home. You know, I just have in my mind's eye I see Bibles. Like there are so many Bibles, you know, in this church it'd be interesting to add up. How many Bibles that we have all together, collectively here. Because I know I've got a few translations at home. But are they collecting dust? You know, like, the, man, this book should be worn right thin. There are a couple pages missing because when Jabin was like two years old, he ripped them out on me with his brand new Bible. <laughs> but when I was a young guy, I think I wore out two Bibles, like two, just like this one here. I was so disappointed because I had them highlighted. The third Bible that I had, I had it all marked up and I just loved it because I would take my Bible everywhere I went. I would read it all the time. I left it in India, and Matthew wouldn't give it back. He said, you don't need it. (laughs) You know, he gave it to one of his students, and he wouldn't give it back to me, but that was okay. I thought, oh, well, that's okay. I wanted that Bible so bad, but that was okay. (laughs) I'll make the sacrifice, Lord, and go to the shelf and pull a Bible off of my 20 Bibles on my shelf. (laughs) But this is Life. It's direction, it's wisdom, it's everything we need for life in godliness. And uh, this morning, I want you to think about what is it that's stopping you from spending some time in this scriptures every day. Because time is not a good idea. That's not a very good excuse. That's really not a very good one at all. Because God can give you time. It's like giving. Isaiah talks about people that were holding back their tithes and it was like they had holes in their pockets. You know, it's, it's the same thing with the word. We think, oh, I haven't got time. Man, oh man, we're missing so much. We just take the word and meditate on it and find God's will and follow his lead. Your days will never be the same. And you'll find you have more time than you can shake a stick at. You'll, you'll have time to pick your Bible up other than that time you're spending as a devotion. So this morning, I'm gonna, I want to just read this one more time for you. And then we're dismissed. I am a creature of a day. I am a spirit come from God and returning to God. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. God himself has condescended to teach me the way. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. Let me be a man of one book. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you have given us this book. That you want to guide us through this book. You want to speak to us in this book, Father. I pray that everyone here, Lord God, that you would just pull any hindrances, Lord, that are in the way of us spending time with you, even just a short time every day, Lord, looking intently into your book of the law that gives freedom, Father. And uh, I just take authority over the enemy and anything that he would have, any rights that he would have, I pray that that would be recognized. I pray that we would see, Lord God, that our priority needs to be you. Our priority needs to be seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Lord. And we don't need to worry about the rest of this stuff in life. And even our family, Lord, we lift up our kids. We lift up, Father God, all of our relatives, our friends, Father, that don't know you. Everybody that's being witnessed to, Father, intentionally, I just pray that you would just draw them into your kingdom. I pray that it wouldn't take a long time, but people would start to be saved, Lord. As we become faithful at praying for our community, at being in your word, Lord God, at being a witness to our co-workers and standing up for what's right and humbly accepting the word that's planted in us, Lord God, I pray that it would be fruit like it talks about in Psalms 1, that we would be like that tree that's planted by streams of water which is yielding its fruit in season. So Lord, I pray, open the eyes of our understanding of every single one in this room. That next time we go and we look into your book, Father, I pray that the wind of the Spirit is just about touching, like we can feel the breeze in our face, Lord. The Spirit is speaking so uh, dramatically to us. And so we commit ourselves to you. We pray, Lord, have your way in our lives. Be done your will and come your kingdom, Father God, in our lives and in our families' lives and in our city. And we just pull down the strongholds in this city, Father, and we just release your spirit, Lord, within each one of us to go forth and preach your word, Father God, and and speak the truth in love. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.